Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. So this morning, I would like to share with you from the Word of God, uh, continuing our series on faith, hope and love. And I'd like to talk about the word hope. And um, the title of my message is I So Hope So. And um, I think that hope is the most misunderstood word in Christendom. I really think it is. And if reading from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which is from the New King James, it says, Now abide faith, hope and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And we have so much to say about love, don't we? The love of Jesus, the love that we must have for one another, the love of the Father, uh, John 3.16, and um, the love we must extend to one another as believers. And then faith. We're always on about faith in this church, aren't we? Faith for this, faith for that. You must do this to have faith. But then we come to hope, and we don't seem to talk so much about hope. In the King James, love is mentioned 504 times, faith is mentioned 391 times, and hope is mentioned 151 times. But hope is important in our lives, and it's so important that we read the scripture in its fullness, and God wants us to move in faith, hope, and love. Hope often gets sidelined. It's a little bit ambiguous. People are not sure what it means. And some people have even told me that faith, the opposite of faith, is hope. Oh, I didn't didn't quite enough faith for that, so I just hoped instead. Or I've not got enough faith, so we'll just hope. But to be clear, the opposite of faith is fear. And the opposite of hope is doubt, confusion, and a lack of direction and focus. Now, now abide, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. And abide means that they remain, they have lasting qualities, and they continue forever. So hope is important. And then we come to Hebrews 11.1, which is the most famous scripture that nobody can understand. And in the King James, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the New International Version, because you think that might shed a bit more light on it, says, Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So from this, we can conclude that without hope, we cannot be in faith. We can't have faith or demonstrate faith. Therefore, hope cannot be a vain wish. Um, I had the traumatic experience last Saturday in Cardiff of going in to build a bear. <laughs> and it was very traumatic, I have to say. And they, you get this bear and they shove this tube into it and stuff it full of stuffing. And then they give you a little heart. And you have to hold this heart in your hand and you have to make a wish. <laughs> and then they put the heart in the bear and they stitch the bear up. And uh, I don't know what my grandchildren wished, but it's a little bit like hope isn't like when you blow the cakes out on a candle and you say, make a wish, and you can see the little child like making this wish. But it's not going to, you know, they're going to wish for something and their parents don't know what they're wishing for. And is it going to come true? I don't know. One of my favourite, my favourite comedian of all time is Les Dawson. I just love that deadpan humour. And he was the master of the mother-in-law joke. 
And he said, you know, my mother-in-law fell down a wishing well. I was amazed. I didn't know they worked. (laughs) But hope is not wishing for something to happen. You know, the world is full of people that are wishing, that are hoping Hoping for their children's future, hoping for their own futures, hoping that their money will last, hoping that they'll stay in health, hoping that they'll win the lottery. But the Bible describes hope much more differently. And I just want to get straight to that definition and unpack that and see how hope can strengthen our lives. Because it's vital to our walk with God. So we see from Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith and hope are linked and they work together. And without saying too much about faith, because I know other folks are going to unpack that for us, faith is the complete trust and confidence in something. Faith involves um, an intellectual assent to a set of facts and figures. And by intellectual assent, I mean his word. Uh, Another way of describing intellectual assent is knowledgeable agreement. So, for example, I have faith in Jesus Christ, and this means I completely trust Jesus for my internal destiny. I give intellectual assent or knowledgeable agreement to the fact that Jesus died and he rose again. And that gives me hope for my eternal salvation. Now, it's important to say at this point that with all the things that we esteem to in God, that we don't have to get all our ducks in a row before we can agree to anything. You know, life, we're on a journey with Christ, aren't we? So we have highs, we have lows, we have revelation, we have knowledge that comes to us, but it's a journey, we're going forwards. And God teaches us all the way. But biblical hope is built on faith. And it's anchored to faith. So if we could turn to Matthew 7, which is a scripture I'm sure you'll all know, which is about the wise and the foolish builder. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Matthew 7 is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in chapter 5, where Jesus teaches about various aspects of everyday life. And there's a dialogue at the end of this um, teaching of Jesus. And you know it's Jesus because there's a lot of red in the Bible at this point. And he says this, he says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. And I have to say, just as an aside, if you ever read, I often read the Sermon on the Mount if I feel a bit under pressure or a bit harassed. Because it's just the most fantastic bit of scripture. And I often finish reading those four, three, four chapters. And I think, if I could do, if I could rip out a little bit of the Bible, if that's all I could have, that's what I would take out. Because it covers every, sorry, it's not heresy, but it covers every single aspect of life. It's just the most fantastic scripture. 
So the rock, as it, as it describes in Matthew 7, is the foundation of our lives. Christ, our foundation. The rock um, demonstrates our acceptance, our beliefs, our confession. It's our faith. It's our desire to follow him. And the question I have to ask this morning is, how strong is your rock? How strong is your rock? The sand is the shifting opinions of the world, the ever-changing things contrary to the will of Christ. And the sand can also be our opinions. We can have opinions about things that are not necessarily scriptural, but we decide, you know, we decide that's probably the best way to look at it. But God wants to reveal things to us so that our life is built on a rock and not on sand. And the wind is those things which come to us every day. Now, my wife told me not to say that wind is natural, but it is. And wind comes against us every day. There are things that batter us every day. And our house, the house, is the fabric of our lives. It's the things that we desire, the things we want to achieve, the things we want to establish in God and in Christ in our own lives. And our hope should always be tethered to the rock. Our hope should always be tethered to the rock because help, hope builds character and teaches us the disciplines of faith. You know, this morning you may be facing anxiety, there may be things in your life that are causing you to cry out, God, where are you? And I know what that's like. And if we turn to Hebrews 6, verse 19, it describes the anchor. It's a great verse, this. And I'm reading from the Amplified, and it says, This hope, this confidence assurance we have is an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. And it cannot break under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most high place which is where the very presence of God dwells. My hope is connected to where God dwells. God's on the other end of my rope. At work at my offices in London, it's impossible to clean the windows from the street level. And at the top of the building, there are these huge eyelets, sort of big round pieces of steel, which are fitted into the building. And the way, the way they clean the windows is the, the window cleaners um, connect ropes to these eyelets, and they abseil down the side of the building to clean the windows. And they have complete faith in the fixings. Um, they have complete faith in the building. And they have complete faith in the rope. They, they hope that the rope won't break. But their faith in the fixtures means they're willing to commit. They know it won't break. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever pressure you put upon it. And this morning, if you're anchored to a rock which your house is built on, it may be raining, but you're anchored there in faith. And in one sense, unless a rope is taut, it's absolutely useless. It doesn't become a rope until it's taut. It's just a pile of rope. But when a, to make a rope work, it has to be taut. And um, sometimes we need to... Learn to rejoice in hope and be patient in 
tribulation and be constant in prayer because our hope is formed during times of adversity. In one sense, our fences are tested. We had some wind the other week and um, there's some fences down the side of our house and there's nothing to protect them at all. So I went in the garage and I got some wood and I shored them up. Shored them up, is that the word? Shored them up. Put some pegs in the ground and the wind came and they didn't move at all. Now the fences at the back of my house collapsed <laughs> because my neighbours hadn't gone out and shored them up. And sometimes things come against us to test us, to test the fences, to test our hope, to test our faith. In Romans 12, 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, <coughs> faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. And this morning I have to ask a second question is, are the things you hope for this morning built on this type of foundation? Because the sad thing is, is if it isn't, it will fail. Hope is the earnest anticipation that comes from believing something good. Hope is a confident expectation that naturally stems from faith. Hope is a peaceful assurance that something that hasn't happened yet will indeed happen. It's vital for our walk with him. Because we need, to be te- we need to tether our hope to faith, we always need to be building, strengthening and developing. Because if we have no faith, we have no hope. And if we have no hope, we have no goals. And if we have no goals, we have no sense of direction. In Proverbs 29 verse 18, it says this, Where there is no vision or revelation, the people are unrestrained. They perish, they run wild, but happy is he who keeps the law. Our hope must be based on faith in him. Not a person, not an event, not a time, not a thing. I'll give you a personal example. A few months ago, I came up with this wonderful idea that I was going to retire at 60. And I went around telling everybody, I'm going to retire at 60. I'm going to retire at 60. And it was my confession. It sounded very spiritual. I'm going to retire at 60. And I remember at one point God convicted me because I'd set my hope on a future event. It wasn't something I felt that, when I actually examined it, it wasn't something that God had laid in my heart. It was actually a way of getting away from a situation that I was currently facing. And so my hope was basically a a limp rope because it wasn't attached to anything. And all of a sudden I realised that if I was to carry on this tract, then it would be disastrous. But you know, the funny thing is, as soon as I went back to God and confessed that I'd got that wrong, the rope suddenly went tight and something came up that was going to solve that problem. But it was God's solution to the problem and not mine. And, you know, sometimes we go through seasons of life. You know, you hear people and they have a baby and, uh, well, when the baby grows up, it'll be better. So they get to to the terrible twos. Well, when they go to school, it'll be better. 
So they, get to, they go to school. Then they become, t- you know, when they, when they can look after themselves, it'll be better. And they become teenagers. <laughs> well, when they leave home, it'll be better. But when they get married, it'll be better. And then they have their own kids and bring them round. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking for things in the future all the time. And you set your hope on those. And that's so, that's so wrong. Because we mustn't live for things that are going to happen. Because they're not based on faith. Another example of the relationship between faith and hope that I can demonstrate is I remember when my kids were younger, I told them one day that we were going to Euro Disney. Wow. It's called Disneyland Paris now, but it was a long time ago. Mickey Mouse, only a boy. And uh, my youngest son, whenever you told him something exciting, he'd say, today? I'd say, well, no, it's not today. It's in a couple of weeks, which was my first mistake. <laughs> but as far as they were concerned... Because of the word from the Father, they had faith that they were going. There was no doubt in their mind that they were going to Disneyland Euro Disney. But at the same time, the joy that was in them, that was their hope. They knew they were going, and that created a great joy in their lives. That was their hope. You know, the children's natural trust in their father's promise is the faith, but their squeals of delight is their hope, because no matter what happened, they were going to Disneyland Paris. And you know, that's why it's so vital that we speak to our children with words that are completely creative. In fact, it's vital that we speak to one another with words that are completely creative. You know, words can create, they can build up, They can establish things in folks' lives. But sadly, they can also pull down and cause great damage. And we read, without going into it all, we read that in James chapter 3, the power of the tongue. And I I read a great little verse the other day in Colossians, and it says that we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Isn't that just wonderful? We speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's so important how the words that we use, because words create pictures. Words create pictures. Some people say, I don't, I don't believe that words are powerful. Well, let, me tell you, let me give you an example of how words create pictures. So when I got my first car, so straight away you've got an image of a car, but you don't know what sort of car it is. I got in the car and I drove all over the country that weekend. I just drove everywhere. I got in the car and I I drove to the East Coast and I drove to Wales and then I drove up to the North and almost got to London. I just wanted to drive around in this car. So I'm creating a picture in your mind, but you still don't know what this car's like. But then if I told you that the car was maroon, so all of a sudden you've got this picture now of a maroon car. And if I told you that it had an electric aerial, (laughs) remember aerials? And if I told you it was a Vauxhall, that's, you know, it's starting to narrow it down now. And then if I told you it was a Vauxhall Viva, most of you in this room would have no idea what a Vauxhall Viva looks like. But it was the best car in the world. But as I gave you clues, it creates a picture in your mind. And so it's so important the words that we receive build that picture in our minds. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Our past experiences, our investment in him, and hope is looking for the reality of the future. 
Again, without faith, there is no hope. And without hope, there is no true faith. Hope builds anticipation in our lives. When I uh, first got married, I stayed away a lot from home. That wasn't because I'd got married. It was because of the job. And whilst I was away, I missed Mandy. And in the fullness of time, I used to miss my boys, and now I miss my girls. But even when I was away, I, when I was away from home, I missed Mandy, and there was an anticipation that grew, because I knew Friday was coming, and I'd see Mandy again. And um, I knew Friday night I was going to see her. That was my faith. But it was my hope, it was my anticipation that was created by hope. At Christmas this year, um, as a family, we were all going to be together. Uh, one of my sons lives in Wales and the other one lives in Canada. And we'd not all been together for two years because of COVID. And we were going to have this... Well, the anticipation was amazing because <laughs> we were all going to be together. But then COVID looms. And so we prayed as a family. We prayed and we asked God to answer our prayer to bring us that was our faith but our anticipation was that it was going to happen that was our hope that was what we were clinging on to and uh, we all got together in the end didn't we it was great we had hope it was tethered to our faith and as our hope grows our anticipation for the future things grow as well hope fills our heart with praise it says in psalm uh, 71 verse 14 as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. And when our hope is built on a solid foundation of faith, it's a lot easier to hope for things in God. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to see impossible things and current issues change. It's literally our light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I used to think that was a very unchristian thing to say. But I was in an office during COVID and there was a notice on the wall and it said, due to the current situation, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off until further notice. <laughs> and I suddenly thought, but Jesus is my light and he's always there. He's always there. God's promises. Sorry. Hope encourages us to change our perspective. You know, someone who believes that the world is as good as it's going to get will live differently to a person who believes that he has a future full of abundance and joy and the blessings of God. Hope is a way of getting us through whatever we're facing. You know, we can peer as believers through a lens of a future full with an abundant life. If we establish our faith, our rock of life, and we tether to it. God's promises bring hope. God said to Abraham, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And in Peter 2, verses 1, uh, Peter, 2 Peter <clears throat> chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and goodness. Though these through these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by its evil desire. 
His word is full of precious promises. And I could, oh, I could be here all day now, but sorry, I got told off for apologising for that the other week by Chris Alton. But you know, his word is so full of precious promises that they give us hope because they build our faith. So as an example, sometimes things will come against me and the word of God will just spring to me because I've invested in that faith, I've built that rock, and all of a sudden it's almost like God throws you a lifeline. You know, so you could be facing financial issues this morning and God will just throw you a lifeline in his word and it will say, I've not seen my children begging for bread. Or I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you. God will throw you a lifeline. You may be sick this morning and you've invested in the word of God, you've invested in faith and God will throw you a lifeline of his word and it will say that Jesus laid hands on everyone and they were all healed. Or by his stripes I'm healed. A lifeline of hope. Hope encourages us to live with intention that we're not just keeping on, keeping on. Go to church, get up, go to work, come home, have your tea, watch telly, go to bed, get up. Some people live like, come on, I've lived like that. God doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to live with intention because he has a plan for each and every one of us. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, God has saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. None of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, created as a new, created anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Do you know, I am a masterpiece of God. I've wanted a little bit more affirmation than that. But... <laughs> <laughs> but God has created me for good works. Tilly, God has created you for good works in Christ Jesus. He's got a specific plan for you to do. Everyone, God has got something very specific for you to do. Specific. I, I do get Pacific and specific mixed up. And um, my fellow elders are always teasing me about that. Is that true, Phil? <laughs> Phil doesn't as much, but there we go. So this morning, the question is, do you feel you have hope? And um, as I was preparing this morning, so I haven't got a slide for this, but um, God dropped a little scripture into my heart, and it's in Proverbs 13, verse 12. And it says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And sometimes when our hopes, when things don't happen, we feel sick. It makes us feel sick when things don't happen the way we want them to. Another word for deferred is crushed, but a, a better word is delayed, postponed. And um, the word of the Lord to some people this morning is God's delays are not his denials. You know, sometimes things have to happen in the fullness of God. And sometimes we're praying, we're believing for something to happen, and it doesn't happen. But I would say to a number of people this morning here, his delays are not his denial. It will happen in his time. 
And when it happens, you'll go, oh yeah, I see now why that is. And that's called faith. And it's a real sickness sometimes, because sometimes we want things to happen when we pray. But God is a loving Father, and he knows what we need, and he has a perfect plan. And um, when that hope is fulfilled, it will be a tree of life to you. It'll be a tree of life. One version says that it will give you a tree with juicy fruit on it. So your juicy fruit is coming. Because our hope is good. It's centred on Jesus. There's a great song by Dave Pope. No one will know who Dave Pope is. He was a Christian artist in the 70s and he sung this song and he goes, My hope is good. My hope is centred on Jesus. And in his word... It abideth forever. And when we centre our hope on Jesus, we will not be disappointed. I want to sing a song now. Um, It's a great song. It's called Living Hope. Mm -hmm. Living Hope. And the words go like this. It says, How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadow of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And that verse, that chapter, that that, um, verse, I should say, it describes salvation. It describes the fact that Because we believe in the word, we have that hope that he is going to save us on the last day. And as we sing this song together, I just want people to just commit to God the things that you are seeking, the things that you are hoping for, to make um, a mental sort of re-evaluation. Have you set the rock in place? Is the rock there? Because without the rock of faith, There is no hope. Are we making the investment in the things that we need to build so that we've got something to really tether that rope of hope to? Because God has only got good things for us this morning and he wants wants us to have hopes. He wants us to see those things come through. But he also, to do that, we must make sure that the rope is attached to something very solid and secure. So as we sing this song together, let's just make an evaluation of those things. But make those evaluations knowing that God has got a plan for us all and that he wants us to have those hopes and he wants to fulfil our dreams. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.